But the only way to do battle against compromise is to do battle against compromise. It's the only way, just the way compromise began small and blossomed in your life, just as it was a slow spiral down, guess the way it is out? It's a slow spiral back on out. And don't get me wrong, for some of you, you'll be blessed. Your area of compromise, God will just take it. But you're the exception to the rule. Why? Because God knows that we grow in the process. Imagine a traveling salesman going door-to-door offering not a vacuum cleaner or books, but a shiny new doctrine. As a believer, you'd quickly say, no thanks, and close the door. But what if the person offering that false doctrine was a parent or a spouse? Many of us have been taught incorrectly, which is why God gave us the Word. He can help us identify the doctrines in our lives that are contrary to the truth. The culture around us as a way of seeping into our lives, but we can't compromise. Where it used to be all about guys being dogs, now it's about girls being dogs. Desperate housewives. I mean, think about what that's saying. I don't even know if that's even on TV anyway. That might have been yesterday. See, there was a time when, and it was interesting, I started checking it out because I was listening to a TED Talk and they were talking about how the television tells the consciousness of a culture. And it was a phenomenal TED Talk. This woman had been in TV for 30 years and she was doing all this analysis about what was going on in television and why, how when unemployment is up and when catastrophes happen, all like supernatural shows get very, very popular because people want to escape from their reality. And it was a very fascinating study. And so I'm like, I wonder what's going on on television today. And I was a little bit appalled. So I'm like, wow. It was one thing for guys to be promiscuous, but now over and over and over again, they're promoting female promiscuity. And you look at the New York Times bestseller list, it's the same thing. And you wonder why gals are fleeing their marriages, straying from their marriages, find themselves daydreaming about other men. That used to just be predominantly a guy problem. Now it's both sexes. See, Satan knows where, God knows where we dwell. He realized that this is 21st century America, where you and I live. He understands the situation. He understood it for the church in Pergamos. He's like, look, I know where you dwell. I know your works. But you, and you hold fast my name. I like that. He's saying, look, even though you're in a compromised culture, you hold fast. You grasp tightly. He said, even in the days when Antipas was my faithful martyr where Satan dwells. So there was one amongst our number, a man named Antipas. We don't know anything about him other than this reference, that he gave up his life in Pergamos for his faith in Jesus. But I ask you, because we're going to find in a moment that Jesus understood their situation, but they also gave in to their situation. I ask you, brother, sister, here online, in the chapel, what are you giving into today? What part of our compromised culture have you snuggled up next to, become part of your daily life, your daily routine, that at one point in your life you said, I'll never do that, and now today you're doing it?
The church in Pergamos lived in a compromised culture. Some people held strong, but you're going to find in one second that some of them gave in and compromised. Look at verse 14. But I have a few things against you because you have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit sexual immorality. Thus, you also have those who hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. So these two verses teaches us simple two words. Don't compromise. Don't compromise. Don't compromise. Jesus understood where they were, what was around them. He says, but I have this against you. And there was two doctrines. First, the doctrine of Balaam in verse 14, and then the doctrine of the Nicolaitans in verse 15. They embraced teaching aberrant thoughts aberrant ideas that gave them over to a compromised lifestyle, and Jesus didn't like it. He didn't like it. Now, there's no doubt a contrast here between the first letter to the church in Ephesus and now the church in Pergamos. The church in Ephesus was doctrinally stringent, but it caused them to leave their devotion. They were so focused on being right that they missed the boat on loving God and others exceedingly. The church in Pergamos wasn't doctrinally stringent, and it caused them to live a compromised life. So it's interesting that no matter what you do, there's always a shadow side. So we believe here at Crossroads in being doctrinally stringent. We believe in the Bible, but we have to make sure that we don't become so doctrinally stringent that we don't love people, that we're so busy with our Bibles beating people over the head, and, oh, that person's a sinner, and that person's a pagan, and I can't believe the church... Knowledge puffs up and love edifies. And I think that's the biggest, one of the biggest issues in modern evangelicalism is we're so busy trying to see who's wrong and why they're wrong. And it's like, well, where's the love? Jesus died on a cross. Now, don't get me wrong. We have to make sure that we don't love in a way that invalidates doctrine either. But guess what? Thank God Jesus still loves those who are not doctrinally perfect or else we'd all be up a creek without a paddle. All of our theology is growing isn't it? We're all learning and understanding. But the church in Pergamos, they compromised. Notice first, the doctrine of Balaam. Now, you can read the story of Balaam, Numbers 22, 23, 24, and 25. It's right there in the Old Testament. But notice what it says. You have those there who hold to the doctrine of Balaam. Notice, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed to idols and to commit sexual immorality. Now, if you read Numbers 22 to 25, and you can read it on your own time. I read it every day this week. It takes about 10 minutes, and I'm not necessarily a fast reader. What you find is that Balak was the king of the Moabites, and he didn't like the fact that the children of Israel were coming into the promised land. And he thought to himself, I know what I'll do. There's this man named Balaam, and Balaam's a prophet of God. And I can have Balaam come, and because God, he understands God better than I do, he's going to curse the children of Israel. Right? And so he sends some people to Balaam, and the Lord says, Balaam, I don't want you to go with them. And Balaam's like, I can't go. So 
Balak comes back. He finds out that Balaam won't go. And so Balaam, Balak's like, well, I'll send even more prestigious people because the reason he didn't come is because I didn't send my top lieutenants. So sure enough, he sends more people and God says, okay, Balaam, go. But while Balaam's on the way, you guys probably know the story, right? There was an angel of the Lord who was going to off Balaam. And remember, Balaam's donkey was getting in trouble because the, the donkey saw it, but Balaam didn't see it. And then finally, the donkey started talking to Balaam. Yeah, that's in, that's in there. You might be saying, oh, see, this is why Christianity is crazy. How can animals talk? I'm like, just YouTube it. I mean, come on. You guys ever YouTube animals talking? It's awesome, man. I want my dog to talk to me. That sounds so much fun. And if you don't believe it, you can just watch the Dr. Doolittle movies with Eddie Murphy. Those are good, too. <laughs> Those, I was a, sorry, I have kids. The donkey starts talking to Balaam, and Balaam didn't realize that the donkey was protecting him. But you know what happens? Balaam gets there. He's like, look, I can only do what God tells me to do. And four times, you know what Balaam does? He blesses God's people. And Balak's getting mad. He's like, I, I brought you to curse me. He's like, I can only say what God's telling me to say. And every single time, every single time, Balaam comes back and blesses the people of God. But the problem with Balaam is Balaam was more focused on his own honor than he was focused on the honor of God. So because he couldn't curse them from God, he gave Balak a tip. He said, listen, I want you to send the women into the camp and they'll seduce the men. They'll sleep with the men and the men will start worshiping pagan idols and then God will forsake his people. Balaam couldn't curse them from the Lord. So he said, look, this is how to make them compromised. That's how you do it. That's how you do it. Listen to Numbers chapter 31, verses 15 and 16. It says, and Moses said to them, have you kept all the women alive? Look, these women caused the children of Israel through the counsel of Balaam to trespass against the Lord in the incident of Peor. And there was a plague amongst the congregation of the Lord. See, what's interesting at Numbers 25, Balak sent all these women to the Acacia Grove. And the men started to commit harlotry against the Lord and be sexually immoral. So you notice, Balaam couldn't get God to curse them. So he said, look, this is how to make them compromise. And if you've ever read C.S. Lewis's, the screw tape letters, you should read it. It's a fascinating book. C.S. Lewis takes it from the position of a number of demons. And this is how we keep Christians from being all like God would have them to be. And it's a very fascinating fictional account of the way demons Go at the people of God to keep us compromised. And it's totally fascinating because you see yourself all over this. Make them more interested in being nationalistic than being Christian. Wow. I mean, that's literally in there. He wrote this 100 years ago. He's like, make them be more focused on being American or, in his case, English than being a follower of Jesus. See, the problem with the doctrine of Balaam is that it compromises us. And for the folks in Pergamos, it was eating things sacrificed to idols, and sexual immorality. So I ask you, brother, sister, what's your doctrine of Balaam? What is the thing that you've compromised on? See, what I believe is that our culture tells us, gives us some doctrines of Balaam. Yeah, sure, you know, they tell you this stuff in church and in the Bible, but don't really do that. I mean, that's just not the world we live in. Some of you receive the doctrine of Balaam from your parents, 
You got told a whole script of things that isn't true, but you believe it every single day and it drives the way you live. See, God wants us to subordinate every narrative to the biblical narrative. And each one of us, no matter how good your parents were, they gave you a script that tells you a different story than the gospel script. And each one of us needs to say, God, help me to identify what the doctrine of Balaam is in my life. What is the thing that makes you compromise? And for each one of us, it's different. Yes, sexual immorality runs rampant in our culture. Rampant. The pornography statistics for men and the epidemic rising proportion of women who are starting to look at internet pornography are awful. People straying on their marriages, people choosing never to marry, because why should you marry? The the old story, why should you buy the cow when the milk is free? That's what you get in a promiscuous culture. The rise in sexually transmitted diseases, teenage pregnancy, all these things are on the rise. So let's not pretend that sexual immorality is not a major problem in our culture. But each one of us has an area or areas of compromise. Not only that, notice in verse 15, also this doctrine of the Nicolaitans. The church in Ephesus rejected that doctrine, whatever it was. The church in Pergamos accepted it. They said yes to it, and Jesus said, I I hate it, but you believe it. So brothers and sisters, the message of Jesus to you and I is that we we can't compromise. And we each have to sit down and say, this is an area that I have compromised, that the gospel says this, the Bible says this, and I believe and do this. And we need to say, that is my doctrine of Balaam. That is it. That is the thing that keeps me by my own choice from being the person that God has called me to be. I know what's scary about the doctrine of Balaam is that we all have a lot of them. If you sit down and you literally spend some time and say, Lord, I want to know what my areas of compromise are, and you put a, a notebook there, it is absolutely terrifying the things you write down if you're honest with yourself. And he's like, I can tell you, I just did it this week. I literally sat down and said, what are my areas that I struggle with compromising? And I started writing them down. And then by the time you're done, you're like, man, I am jacked up. Like, that's what I thought at the end. I'm like, I am all messed up. And then thank God, Jesus is like, look, that's why I died. I'm not done with you yet. But the only way to do battle against compromise is to do battle against compromise. It's the only way, just the way compromise began small and blossomed in your life, just as it was a slow spiral down, guess the way it is out? It's a slow spiral back on out. And don't get me wrong, for some of you, you'll be blessed. Your area of compromise, God will just take it. But you're the exception to the rule. Why? Because God knows that we grow in the process. And God is concerned with us being healthy, growing individuals. If he just removes it, and you parents know what it's like when you, something happens with your child, they want you just to jump in and fix it, and you make them actually work their way out of it. I'm like, but you could fix it. Yeah, I could. But by you having to do it, you learn. Like when my kids need to clean their room. Yeah, I could do it. I could do it really fast. I know exactly how I want it to look. But they grow by actually doing it. And that's just as compromise was a slow slide, working your way back from compromise is a slow process as well. But I want to encourage you, the only way to battle compromise is to battle compromise. 
And you need to sit down. You need to identify it. Say, look, these are my doctrines of Balaam. These are the things that hold me back from being the man, woman, wife, husband, child that God, you have ordained me to be. And I'm going to do battle against those. We need to make sure we do not compromise. Now, notice what happens in verse 16. Jesus says, repent or else I will come to you quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Now, I'll be honest with you. This is the most terrifying challenge that I have found in here. Because know what this says? Who would you rather battle? Who would you rather battle? Would you rather battle your own compromise or would you want to battle Jesus? You know what he says, right? Repent. And I know repent's like a church word. It literally means to turn around. It's a word of covenant. That's what it means. It's like when you get in a fight with somebody and you, and, and you did something wrong and you come back and say, look, I was really sorry. That's repenting. That's what it means. It's restoring a relationship. But he says, repent or else I will come to you quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. So you either battle your compromise or Jesus' word battles you. When I read this, it just reminded me of the Ghostbusters movie. Do you guys remember Ghostbusters? I hope so. You know, it's almost time for them to put out like a new version of Ghostbusters, you know what I mean? Because the 80s were so awesome that they're bringing them all back around again. But you remember that last scene in Ghostbusters, decide who you're going to fight, and, and, and Dan Aykroyd comes up with a Stay Puff Marshmallow Man? Do you remember that? Because he's like, that was like the sweetest thing I could think of. And, and in the end of the day, they end up with marshmallows all over them. It's like a s'more fest. Maybe not that. But you have to ask yourself, do you want to fight your own compromise or do you want to fight against Jesus? That's where it boils down. Now, it's, some of you are in here, you're, you have never put your faith and trust in Jesus. And you're thinking, you know, I knew we were going to get there. Church, pastor's always trying to scare you. Always trying to scare you to be a Christian. Listen, you should be scared. That's not... Not PC. That's just reality. There's certain things you should be scared of. And you have to ask yourself, do I want to battle against my own compromise or do I literally want to battle the Son of God? And, and just in case you haven't realized it, Jesus is the most fierce warrior of all time. He makes Mike Tyson in his prime look like a little puppy dog. You take the meanest, nastiest warrior guy you can think of, Navy SEAL, whatever your reference point is, and Jesus makes that person look like the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. Who would you rather battle? Would you rather battle against the compromise in your own life, or do you want to go a few rounds with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? And it reminds me of a quote by a Puritan author and preacher named John Owen, where he said it quite simply and quite honestly, you are either killing sin or sin is killing you. And I believe that to be true. You are either killing it or it is killing you. And for those of you who've never put your faith and trust in Jesus, you need to get right with Jesus today. Today. I love what Pastor Mike Roselle said last week. If you're not a Christian, you need to be one. I thought that was, I'm like, yeah, that's a great way to say that. You do. You need to get right with God because God loves you. And God realizes he'd rather you have to do battle with your own stuff than have to do battle against him, whose justice is perfect and there's no wiggle room. But for others of us who are here today, 
You are Christians. You love Jesus, but there's so much compromise in your life. And I'm not, listen, I might be standing four steps up. I'm on your level with you. I'm not here saying that I, I don't have any, man, God's been putting his finger on my stuff. But who would we rather go lock arms with? Would you rather battle your own compromise or would you want to battle Jesus? I mean, it's a no-brainer, right? It's a no-brainer. If you're like, okay, in order to stay alive, you need to either fight Mike Tyson in his prime or you need to fight this little baby who's like six months old. Right? Everyone pick the baby, right? You're not going to hurt the baby. baby's not going to hurt you. Maybe you might have to change a diaper, but it ain't so bad. Who would you rather battle? And I'm just being honest with you. You do not, you do not want to go toe-to-toe with Jesus of Nazareth and his word. God has delivered you from having to do that by sending Jesus to die on a cross. But we have to be careful not to compromise. You're either killing sin or sin is killing you. And we get to the promise. Verse 17. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat, and I will give him a white stone, and on the stone a new name written, which no one knows except him who receives it. So again, you have this, if you have an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says. And then there's that promise to the overcomer. And this verse teaches us that Jesus blesses us with intimacy and forgiveness. Jesus blesses us with intimacy and forgiveness. I want you to track with me for just a few more moments. He blesses us with intimacy. There's two pictures of intimacy in this verse. First, I'm going to give you some of the hidden manna to eat. Now, do you guys recall, if you're going through Exodus with us, you know about this, that manna was miraculously given to the people of God from heaven every single day. Now, if you recall, in Exodus 16, a jar of that manna was actually taken and placed in the Ark of the Covenant as a reminder of God's provision for the people. And rabbinic history, folklore tells us that when the temple was destroyed, they actually took the Ark of the Covenant and they hid it. And they're waiting for the Ark of the Covenant to return when the Messiah comes. So when Jesus says, I'm going to give you some of the hidden manna, that was a special thing. And not only that, he says, look, I'm going to give you this white stone and there's going to be a new name on it that nobody knows. You know what this is? This is like a spiritual nickname. For those of you who are married, you have kids, you have special names for them. No one else is allowed to use that name. No one's else even allowed to know that name. It's just your special name with them. You have those with people who you're intimate with. And not intimate in a physical sense, but in an emotional sense. I have nicknames for my kids. They have nicknames for me. I have nicknames with my wife. Jesus blesses you with intimacy. He knows you so well. Jesus is I want to thank you so much for listening to Jesus' Real Radio. We are on the radio because we want to see all of God's children learn how to simply respond to Jesus. Jesus is at street level. He is where the rubber meets the road in your world 
in my world, right where we are and where everybody is. And it is our hope to see Jesus is Real Radio reach every single living soul who is alive on the earth in this generation. God's heart is that not any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. And we realize the radio is an amazing opportunity to reach some of the more than six or seven billion people on the earth. So listen. We're on the radio because people have given so that we can be. Now listen, God is generous and God invites us to be generous in the entirety of our lives. You should be plugged into a local church and you should be faithfully giving to that local church. We thank God for the local congregation scattered all over the world. But if you're one of those people who want to step into giving over and above what you would to your local congregation, and if you're being blessed by the Jesus is Real Radio ministry, we would invite you to come and partner with us. Literally, we want to see the message of the good news of the finished work of Jesus not only reach everybody here in America, but everybody across Europe, in the 1040 window, across Southeast Asia, all the way, all the way to the Far East for us. We want everyone here, and it's going to take people like you and like me to step on into that. So seek the Lord and simply respond to Jesus, and we're going to trust Him to do all that He wants to do with Jesus' real radio. God bless you. My